know that person. It's a total giving up of your entire life. And not just the things either that we think are are good or the things that we desire. It can also be giving up control in your family when you have a child who's lost. Or it can be giving up and surrendering to Jesus your sickness. See, for a long time, lots of people said to take up your cross meant to take up the burden of your that, that God lays it, gives you. Like, let's say if you, you had cancer or something, the people have interpreted this loss to mean to take up the cross that is cancer and to follow Jesus. And that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, deny that, actually. He's saying, leave it behind. He says, that's not your focus. Your focus is to not know yourself and to know Jesus. So it's not just a call to to deny the stuff, although that is obviously what this is talking about. It's a call to deny your desires, the things that you want, your heart's desires, for something even greater, to follow Christ. You know, this passage also draws me to think about the persecuted church. Because really, the persecuted church is kind of the perfect example of people who are willing to take up their cross and follow Jesus because people are actually dying for Jesus' name, right? And sometimes I think we have a difficult time kind of comprehending that, if we're honest. Sometimes I know for my own self, I see somebody somebody give up their life for Jesus, literally. I think, how could I do that? How could I possibly lay down my own life for Jesus? And you know, the thing is, I think sometimes we kind of are asking the wrong question when we see somebody do that. I think sometimes those people have, have already gotten the denying their self part before they actually, like, literally died for Jesus. See, I think the call for us is to, while in Canada we don't experience a great deal of like physical persecution like that, the call is still there for us to disassociate ourselves with the things that the world tells us that we should want. You know, I think it would be a whole lot easier to suffer for Christ if we had already surrendered our whole life to Jesus. But you see, the problem is that we like to give Jesus some things, and then we like to hold on to some other things, right? So, for instance, let's use, use time. So, God, I will give you from 10 o'clock till 12 o'clock if Josiah goes long <laughs> on Sundays. Or, okay, I will come early, and I will also teach Sunday school. Or I will serve on, on um, serve youth or, or something like that. Or I will, I will um, you can fill in the blank for that one. And 
then some of other things we like to hang on to. It's like, okay, now this is mine. All right, let's say, let's say it's our job. This part is mine, and I'm going to work at, at um, working my way up the ladder and having a nice big check every week, and eventually I'm going to retire, and, but this is mine. So, God, you can have this time, but you can't have this. And then, all of a sudden, our circumstances will sideswipe us. And we go, God, why would you do that? Why, how could you do that to me? I even serve in Sunday school. You know those kids? When really, the call for anyone, for every Christian, is to do this. To open our hands. It's a call to surrender everything. And that not just mean to, to drop it all and, and, and not to do anything with those things. But it's a call from this to this. Jesus even calls us to deny our own family in Luke uh, 14 verse 26 says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his very life, he cannot be my disciple. And some of us read that and are like, done. I have no problem hating my family. (laughs) Sometimes families are difficult. But the call really isn't to hate your family It's the call to put your family second for following Christ, right? You see, for many people, when they choose to follow Christ, that means their family will not really like that. For lots of people, becoming a Christian will mean a hard time with their family for a time. Lots of your family, some of you might have even experienced this, will say, following Jesus will ruin your life. And your response being, yes, that's exactly the point. You see, following Jesus is leaving your old ways behind to to lay it down, to hold everything with an open hand, and then to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Because taking up your cross requires two hands. You cannot hold on to your stuff and hold on to the cross. You're going to drop something, right? So what we are called as Christians is to lay it all down, take both hands to pick up that cross and to follow Jesus. I especially like this, this passage in Luke because it says daily. It says he must deny himself and pick up his cross daily and follow Jesus. This is unique to the other accounts of this story. And it's a call that, a call to, um, this is not just something that you do in your past, but it's a commitment to every day to leave behind the desires of your heart for Jesus. You might be, you might be thinking, Josiah, that sounds a whole lot like striving. It sounds like a whole lot of work. And you know what? It does sound like work. And you know what? It is work. 
But when we choose to follow Jesus, when we've been saved by grace through faith, it doesn't mean that we just put up our feet. It's a commitment to daily work out your salvation. It's not an issue of, um, am I saved, am I not saved, have I laid everything down? This is just an expectation of the kingdom. When When you are saved, Jesus is calling us every day to lay down our entire life in surrender. So, that's some pretty heavy stuff. Does that feel heavy? Yes. Um, You might be thinking, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. Or it sounds way too hard. But don't worry. We're not just going to leave it at just death and dying. I like food a lot. Um, You might be able to tell. But... I might not be the greatest cook, but I know and I like good food. And it's quite amazing when a cook can achieve balance within a dish, when they take an ingredient that might be so strong on its own and then add another component to it, and there's this wonderful harmony in this dish that couldn't have ever been achieved by one of these ingredients on their own. So we're going to read John 10.10. The thief comes to kill and destroy, but I, that's Jesus, have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So we look back at our Luke passage and, and we're kind of confused. Okay, Jesus, you're calling us to come and die, but then you say that you're coming to bring life and not just any life, but an overflowing life, a life that is actually not just like a bottle of water that's full, but a life that is spewing out, a life that is just so full, it just cannot be contained in a container. Sometimes we have a hard time balancing these two things and reconciling them. And you know what? I think sometimes in our witnessing and when we share Jesus with other people, we like to talk about John 10.10, that Jesus has come to have a life. And, and, and it's kind of like the chocolate cake of Christian living. Let's say that. John 10.10 is like chocolate cake, and they're like, here, have some cake. This is great. This sounds so good. I have come that you may have abundant life. But we let them figure out the picking up their cross They can read that for themselves. And let me propose this to you, that you can only experience John 10.10 life by denying yourself and taking up your cross. You see, a big problem for us, I think, is that we like to emphasize John 10.10 and say, yes, amen, abundant life, I want some of that chocolate cake. And yet we skip the part about denying ourselves to get there. You see, the whole scope of salvation, salvation is all about death and resurrection. 
all right? But here's the thing about resurrection, is it doesn't work without death. You, you follow me? You cannot have a resurrected, abundant life, a new life, without death. It just doesn't work. Jesus could not have raised to life if he didn't die already. So, the really cool thing is when we change our life from holding our things, maybe it's the control that we have within a relationship, or maybe it's our desire to retire early, or maybe. It could be, even be the desire for a restored relationship. And sometimes we, or, or it could be the desire for, uh, to make, make it somewhere in your work. The thing is, when we do, uh, we work on these things ourselves, it will only ever produce a result that you could have done yourself. You know what I mean? So, Let's say for an athlete. An athlete, let's say they set a goal to run a marathon. So they will train in a particular way that by the end of a year or half a year, they will be able to run this marathon, right? Because for an athlete, you put in certain amount of work will yield certain results, right? And Jesus is flipping this one on its side. And he says, no, what you got to do is instead of controlling and working on these things in your own strength, you actually have to let go. You have to lay it down and make me the focus. Because when we do that, it actually opens the door for God to do something that you couldn't do. It opens the door for a heavenly blessing that you couldn't bring about yourself. You know, I think about, uh, and yes, God sometimes works, he often works despite us or in spite of us. If we're not being obedient, sometimes he'll throw a curveball in. Like if you think about Jonah, how he wasn't willing. But the story of Jonah is kind of tragic, right? Because it ends with Jonah still not affirming what God had actually called him to do, right? So God used Jonah, yes, but he wasn't really obedient. He was obedient because he kind of had to. But if you look at the story of Jesus, he was obedient to the point of death on a cross, and he was raised to a glorious life. And it was such a contrast from Jonah. So you cannot have... John 10, 10, life, abundant life, without first dying to yourself. The way of the cross and the, way, the purpose of the cross is resurrection. We're going to read Genesis 22. You can just listen to this one. Um, and this is a story of Abraham. And this is kind of the, the big picture. Uh, and this is a picture of taking up your cross. So would you... Uh, 
come along uh, on this one. Genesis 22, verse 1, and I think we're going to go until 23 or so. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, um, sorry, I lost my place here. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out, set out for the place God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went off together. When they reached the place God had told him, him about. Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over there and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. We often look at the story and ask the question, how could God actually ask someone to give up their son? And you know, the thing about God is that he actually never asks anybody to do anything that he himself isn't willing to do. God doesn't delight in the killing of your own children, obviously. That's not the point of this story. The point of this story 
is that Abraham was over 100 years old. He was as good as dead as far as the world is concerned. If you're over 100, it's about your time. <laughs> and, that's, and that's okay. But... He had his son, who was Abraham's future, Isaac. Isaac was Abraham's future. And his only hope to actually carry out the promise, right? So God said, lay down your life. Lay down your hope and follow me. It's such a cool picture because then Abraham takes this wood for the sacrifice and he puts it on his son. And Isaac carries it up. It's, it's like this tie to cross. And it's also this tie to us. That we too are to lay down our everything. Our own lives. To follow Jesus. And the amazing thing about this story. Is that out of Abraham's obedience and his surrender, his open hands, comes a blessing that Abraham could not have done on his own. His, his descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore, and every nation on earth will be blessed through Abraham. You see, one act of faith and surrender produced global change the, the future of global history, right? One act of faith, one act of obedience can change the whole course of, of global history. It's amazing that God would use his people's response to what he's done to change the world. So becoming and following Jesus is a hard thing. And it's not a light thing. It's a call to every day deny yourself. But in denying yourself and dying to yourself, it will bring a new life and new things into your life that you could never do on your own. When we hold our lives with open hands, God's going to work. All right? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful picture of how Abraham was willing to give up his son. And, and Lord, may we just be a people who are willing to give up everything in following you, Lord. That doesn't mean neglecting everything in our life, but that means actually surrendering. Lord, it's such a, a fantastic picture of your salvation that in death, you bring new life. So Lord, would you do that in us today? Would you help us to hear your word? May our hearts not be hard, and may we walk in newness of life. 
Lord, you are so good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.